Welcome to the Hand in Hand podcast. We are making connections in our community through friendship and mentorship. We are joining hands to bring people together and learn how to better support those who come from hard places. The more we know about trauma and its impact, the more we can work towards stable homes and positive relationships. So let's get learning because together we are the solution. This is episode three, our interview with Brianna LeClaire, who is the director of City Light Women and Children's Shelter, which is one of the shelters under the umbrella of the Boise Rescue Mission. And I met Brianna a couple of years ago when I was volunteering at City Light. I worked at the front desk and I met many wonderful staff members there at the mission who, yes, are employees there, but also truly feel called to work with some of the most vulnerable people among us. Brianna is a sharp and impressive woman, but also just has a warmth and a light about her that I felt every time she stopped by the front desk. <laughs> Brianna, tell us briefly how you came to be the director of City Light and a little bit about what City Light does. <laughs> well, uh, Chris, it's great to talk to you. I became director at City Light because someone asked me to. My then boss, uh, Jean Lockhart, she had been president of the board of directors of another organization of which I was executive director and that organization closed down. So I was casting about for a job and uh, asked her for a reference. And she said, absolutely, I'd be happy to give you a reference, but um, I think you should know that I really think that you should go to work for me and here's why. And so I said, well, those are all good reasons. And so I did. And that was July of what, 2017. So I've been here ever since. Okay. And I met you, yeah, about halfway through my years of volunteering there. And it was yeah. such a delight to get to know you a little bit. Um, tell Thank us a you. little bit in a, in a nutshell what City Light does. City Light is, like you said, one of the organizations that is part of the Boise Rescue Mission. Boise Rescue Mission runs five shelters, uh, two for men, two for women, and one co-ed uh, shelter. And so in Boise, I oversee City Light Home for Women and Children. So City Light Home for Women and Children is our biggest um, women's and children's shelter because here we offer not only our emergency night-by-night -night shelter, check in at 4 p.m., check out at 8 a.m., uh, provide uh, shelter for the night and three meals and, and all of that. But we also offer at um, the City Light Campus our new life program, which is a drug and alcohol recovery program. Uh, we also have a veterans ministry program. It, it's its own thing. It's very small on the women's side because sometimes we go you know weeks, months at a time without having any veterans who are with us. Uh, that's much bigger on the men's side, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Brianna, when you said the New Life program works with people with addictions to drugs and alcohol, does that mean that those who come in for other reasons don't qualify for that program, or is that just extended towards that particular group? How does that work? 
Yeah, that's a good question. You know, we, there's, there's lots of, of comorbidities, as they say, right? You know, someone who's struggling with drugs and alcohol might very well probably is struggling with mental health. They might be struggling with eating disorders. We focus primarily on drugs and alcohol. Let's say that you have an eating disorder, but you don't have a problem with drugs or alcohol, then this is not the program for you. Hmm. Um, we, you know, while recognizing that reality is not cut and dry, you know, it's not going to be, you're only addicted to alcohol and that's your only problem and here's your fix. You know, that's not how it works. But that is our main focus is drugs and alcohol for sure. So if a woman was uh, a victim of battery, could she, would she be a candidate for that program? I mean, does that new life program, what specifically are you working with within that? Is it simply addiction? Um, are there other educational you know, curriculums that are offered through that new life program? Sure. I guess I would say a couple of things. Uh, first of all, the percentage of women who come through our doors who have been abused is, is 100. Wow. I mean, it, it's just all, it's all together. Okay. Someone comes to the new life program and they say, you know, I, I have this addiction and I want you to help me with it. And then we, you know, say, okay, here's our offerings. Here's what we think. Here's what we know um, because it's worked in the past. Here's what we know will happen. You know, it's, it's surrender. It's surrender to Christ. A lot of this looks the same as AA or NA or um, celebrate recovery. It's all about you are not powerful enough to mm -hmm. overcome this yourself. And so, you know, what does that look like? So our ladies all go through, and the men too, because of course the men's shelter also has a new life program. Uh, they go through a, uh, a program in-house called the Genesis program. And uh, the, here's a little book right here. I'll just show it to you. I know you can't see this on the, on the thing, but it's called the Genesis oh. process. But it's a deep dive into what are the underlying reasons why you, um, you know, struggle with this addiction. Now, and we also connect them. We, we call the people who are with you through your program, those are called advisors, right? And so, and some of these ladies have um, advanced degrees in counseling, but some of them don't. And that's okay because their main, their job is to be a listening ear and to, and to coach them as they step through the program. You come into the program and you are given, um, you know, very little, very little responsibility and very little privilege, right? And as you build those things up, then someone is helping you to leave the old behaviors behind and learn these new behaviors. But, um, for one group, one one we work closely with uh, Terry Riley. Their health care, including their mental health care that they offer there, Access Behavior Health is a is a group we work with a lot. Um, thanks to the Medicaid expansion, um, a lot of our ladies who are on uh, who who use Medicaid, which is all of them, um, there are some of them come into the program already with a relationship with a counselor. Um, and so they can continue that relationship. A lot of our ladies take advantage of, we connect them with professionals on the outside, if that That's makes sense. Fantastic. So one counseling program that a lot of our ladies go through, the acronym is SANE, which stands for Sexual Abuse Now Ends. Hmm. And so again, it's all about getting, it's all about getting to the root of that behavior and, um, uh, you know, and surrendering. 
Yeah. Wow. That's what amazing. I always loved about what I saw when, while I volunteered there, Brianna, was that it, it was so custom tailored to um, each woman that came in. Sure. And like you say, they had a common denominator of some kind of an, addic an addiction. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, they had a plethora of other issues and all those issues could be addressed within the new life mm -hmm. program based on, you know, whatever they needed, whether it was anger management or parenting or, right. or whatever, or GED or interviewing skills or whatever, you know, they needed help with um, the yeah. new life program kind of tailor tailored a program to them. So I loved mm -hmm. that. Um, in this new life program, I don't know if you have statistics, Brianna. Um, first of all, how, how long is the typical stay in a new life mm -hmm. program woman? And, and what, what are the odds that she, that she could transition back into, into independence? Uh, the tip, if a, a woman succeeds in the program, she's going to have been here at least 18 months. Oh, wow. And, mm. and that's full time. You know, they, they don't work, they don't work outside the home as it were, um, while they're with us. Uh, there, there are other fine programs, you know, sober living communities, that kind of stuff where that is the main focus is, you know, you're going to get a job and you're going to live here and you're going to be sober while you're here. And, and they do a great job. And, but that's just not what we do here. Mm. This is, um, this is full time, you know, nine to four every day you're working your program. And then, uh, at the end of an 18 month period, um, then you're, you, with any luck at all, you'll be ready for, uh, our transitional housing, which is called next step which are some, uh, some studio apartments that are also on the City Life Camp, the City Light Campus. And um, then you can, you can live there while you save some money, you know, by that, but you're, you're done with the program, you're gonna get a job, you're gonna save some money and then, and then hopefully get out on your own. And um, while they're in the program, they do one of their paths, there's four paths. And one of the paths is an internship uh, within the mission. So, because they've been raised, so I'm an English major, right? And so I, I immediately go to a literary um, uh, uh, analogy, which is the opening line of Anna Karenina, where Tolstoy writes something like, all happy families are the same. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. I mean, there's just mm -hmm. a million, there, there, are, there is no end to human folly and the way that manifests itself. So I appreciate what you say, Chris, about how the program is very customized because it has to be, because there's just no, the formula for success is pretty boring, but it's pretty straightforward, yeah. you know, and success being defined as, um, you know, you have a, a roof over your head and you have enough to eat and you have people in your life who love you, who aren't, who don't see you as an object, as a means to an end. Um, you know, you can be productive and, and, and contribute back to society. The way you get there is pretty straightforward wow. and it's never, you know, this is, these ladies have all, none of them have been raised that way. The family, their families of origin don't know that, didn't know that, didn't teach that. And, um, you know, but for the most part, I mean, there are exceptions, but, um, these are ladies who come to us completely institutionalized. Mm -hmm. They've never held, you know, these are ladies in their forties who have never held a job, um, who have always been, you know, maybe they went straight from juvie to jail to prison, 
and um, they've never known anything but the insides of institutions. So that third path in the middle where they serve their internship, that's where they learn for the first time, you know, the basics of what to do um, in a job show up on time, show up looking a certain way and acting a certain way with a certain, you know, look on your face. It's almost like learning a new culture for them. It absolutely is learning a new culture. Yep. It is a, it is a completely different world. So of those women who do the 18, 18 month program, what would be your estimate of those that succeed and get independent and integrated back into to society? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, over the, let's say that the New Life program's been in existence for 18 years for men and for women. There's probably been um, over that time about 250, 300 men and women who have transitioned out and gone on. And, you know, the first thing you have to do is, is graduate. And that's no joke. I mean, there are, there are a million ways to stumble. And, you know, there's, there's behaviors that are incompatible with being here. Um, and, you know, we're pretty understanding, I think, about where you've come from. And, and, you know, we're looking for, I mean, two steps forward, one step back, you know, even two steps forward, three steps back, as long yeah. as you can get back when you're trying again. So once people have actually graduated, then um, the recidivism rate is pretty low pretty low people who but you have to leave the you have to leave the old world behind so it's a complete new beginning yes absolutely and if and if they view it like that and treat it like that it does its intended purpose and accomplishes that and it allows them to then be successful when people do go back maybe there are some who start the new life program maybe don't finish it or treat it lightly what do you see as the reason that some end up right back at the center? What? It's, it's the same reason for sin for all of us. We just want to hold on to that little piece that we feel that belongs to us and that we're not willing to give up to God. Hmm. We want to be, we want to be God. You know, we want to be our own gods. It goes back yeah. to the garden. Right. You know, if you eat of this fruit, then you will be like God. You will yeah. and will have his knowledge where what Satan really meant was you will think that you know what what God knows instead of and we reverse that right you know we we know what's in charge of our life and it's like no our lives belong to him and um, you know you can't ever forget that you hold on to it you're like yeah well I wasn't and you know anyone who knows anything about AA you know they've heard of this too they've heard of what's called a dry drunk right you know you've given up perhaps you've given up alcohol but you're like, well, you know, alcohol was my problem. So I'm going to go ahead and smoke some weed, you know, because weed's not my problem. Alcohol's my problem or gambling wasn't my problem. And so why would I have a problem with that? So substitute negative behaviors. Maybe they they conquer one and then take on something very similar that puts them back in the same position. You know, it's almost like a stripping down of all pride the key virtue in this process to me, what it appears is humility, teachable, mm-hmm. being yes. willing to recognize I'm not going anywhere and I've got to stop pointing the fingers at others or circumstances and say, right. what is within my power to change? 
and what do I need to change so that I can move on and see a, see create new circumstances. I I have friends that really struggle to grasp that, and they're they're still in that blaming phase, and so they they're never they've never really been able to turn inward and say, how am I contributing to the reason I'm where I am? Well, and I think it's so difficult for them, given a lot of the backgrounds they come from, to not feel that way, right? I think it's so easy and really understandable why you would feel that way. But at the same time, where do you go from there, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and you're right, Chris. I mean, the the circumstances are horrific. However, um, you know, there is, again, that doesn't change, that doesn't change what you have to do, uh, you know, whether you were raised right, you know, as I was, as I assume you were, and, uh, you know, did not have horrible trauma as a child, um, then, you know, it's still what I, what you need, what I need to, um, to move forward and to stop the blame game is exactly the same thing as a girl who was prostituted by her mother when she was seven years old. That's, and, and that's, you know, that's why we call in the, that's why we have relationships with professionals um, to help her work through that trauma. And so, you know, cause that's, that's its whole, you know, there's a whole science of that, you know, um, involving, involving therapy and, and therapies for that. Nevertheless, it's like, okay, you know, we're, you're, you're working through this horrible trauma, um, but it's still, you know, your, your choices going forward from this day forward are still your choices, you know, and it's, you know, the proof is, I mean, life comes at you, you know, quote Ferris Bueller, life comes at you pretty fast. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, one of the first, one of the first girls who I met, you probably remember Jocelyn, Chris, when yeah. I, oh, yeah. she was here when I, well, she was just a few months, her, her, um, and you know, I, I hope nobody thinks that I'm breaking confidentiality by mentioning her name. This is, you know, she's more than if you, I'm not gonna say her last name, but, um, you know, if you happen to know who I'm talking about, uh, she's more than happy to give her testimony, you know, anytime. Yep. Where, yeah, very so, open about her experience. Very open about it. She, um, so her problem was meth and her, she was 30, I think, when she was doing the program here. Anyway, um, a few months in, you know, not real, not close to graduation, but a few months in, um, her father died and to whom she was very close. And, um, you know, so that, and that was the first time she'd ever faced a personal tragedy sober. And so she had all the feels. And, um, you know, that was, that was a really, you know, they, they have no, they have no muscle. They're the, they're, they're the 97 pound weaklings on the beach, right? Because they have no coping mechanisms for dealing with all those feelings because the feeling was, you know, when you started to feel something, you would numb it. And, and who can blame them? You know, I mean, who, all the horrible, horrible things that, that have, you know, just, awful prostitution and, and being orphaned and having nobody who cares about you yeah. and you know nobody who cares if you live or die I mean who wouldn't want to escape into a world of meth or alcohol yeah. but um anyway that was but that's just it is that it's just like wow this is you know and that's the thing is that I can't you know I, I can't say you know I understand because I haven't been there and so, you know, that's one way that I try to connect 
is to just say, I, you know, I really admire everything, you know, you for being such a survivor. And, um, you know, and I don't, I don't know what you've been through. And, um, you know, this is, it's, it's a horrible thing. And I love you. And, and I sympathize with you, you know, yeah. nevertheless, here's the tools that you need going forward. And one of them is to stop the blame game. Right. Wow. Yeah. I remember while I volunteered there, there was a, a fellow volunteer that came, was diagnosed with cancer while I was there. And mm. I remember, um, all the new life program women writing her a letter and saying how much they loved her and how inspiring she was and she could do this and everything. And then I remember her letter back to those women mm -hmm. in the program was, it is I who admire you mm. for what you are doing to change your life. Yeah. And I just remember she, she, she felt like they were warriors because yeah. of the circumstances that they were battling. And, and really we just, we felt that as, as every woman that came through there, I just ad admired their courage. Yeah. Um, so in terms of um, just a common list of, of these tools that really help those stay independent and not come back into the program, I, we've talked about humility and looking at yourself. Are there certain things that really help these women as they're trying to transition into independence? You know, you got to keep going to your meetings, right? I mean, if you decide that AA is the meeting for you, you can't, you know, you're not cured. You are in recovery for the rest of your life. And so, you know, if you decide that Celebrate Recovery is your thing, you got to keep going to Celebrate Recovery, NA, whatever it would be. Um, you got to stay in a faith community. I mean, that is so important um, and not uh, be in uh, your own, your only group can't be a group that's centered around recovery, right? A lot of, it, so you kind of need both, you know, you need a church where you're just another parishioner and then you need your recovery group, whatever that might be. Um, that's, those are some things that, that help. You can't be too, you know, raring to go to jump into a relationship because they all want one and it's just not a good idea, especially with another recovering addict. So, but who, you know, who, and that's, you know, that's the problem right yeah. there. You know, the words of salt and pepper, right? You know, what's my weakness? Men. I mean, just, you know, stay away said, for at least a little well, while and an unhealthy relationship right yeah, which which sometimes right. it's, it seems to you gravitate toward that you know for some yep. reason yeah yeah so the common denominators um would definitely be staying you know having a job um that's i mean that you know financial and um knowing that you're not knowing that you can do it yourself. I mean, that's, that's huge yeah. to, uh, to know that, you know, you can take care of yourself. You can take care of, you know, of your children and, you know, and just really not, it's gotta be so hard to know that the bad people in your life are your family, right? Mm -hmm. The bad people in your life are your mom or your sister, um, you know, or your dad. And those are the people who you need to break off with yeah. or you know have a relationship with in a very guarded way and um because that those are the people who got you you know it's one thing to say you can't go back to your old friends and you can't um you know we have plenty of people who here at the mission who 
about 25% of the people who work at the mission, they were, they were customers once, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and of those, uh, none of them are from here. Now that I think about it, I can't think of a one who's like from this area. I mean, they intentionally, the, if you're going to succeed, you know, leaving your family behind in California or Florida or Arkansas or wherever is probably not a bad idea. Wow. And leaving your family, leaving your friends and, um, and starting a new community, you know, it's like being a, it's like being a pioneer, or, you know, traveling to Mars yeah. and starting over. And it's, I mean, the ones that should cool. be your greatest support system. You can't have them as, as that. Yeah. Right. That That's would right. be so, so difficult. Interesting. Uh, Brianna, you know what hand in hand is all about as we try to provide friendship and mentors to people that are coming out of um, places like City Light. Mm -hmm. um, what advice do you give us um, as people in the community, as we have opportunities to to work with people one-on-one -on -one in this type of a scenario? What, what kind of advice would you give us as we work with these women that are coming out of your program? I would say, and this is specifically to the, the folks, I think, who want to help you. And I know you do a great job of screening people. And, um, you know, anyone who's, anyone who's sort of got, I don't know, Florence Nightingale syndrome, right? She really wants to come in and save. That's not going to be someone who is going to be appropriate. You know, it's going to be slow. Take, take the little successes, right? Um, and it's not, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be this and it's going to be, you know, as, oh, sorry, not a visual format. <laughs> See you. I think that it is. It's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be up and down. You know, it's going to be two steps forward, two steps back, three steps forward, one step back. Um, just, you know, go slow, take it slowly, take it very, very slowly. Um, take that relationship slowly because people who are coming out of addiction, homeless, homeless people are survivors and they have, they have learned to survive through treating people like objects, through p treating people as a means to an end. So if you're not going to be just another means to an end for them, you can't allow yourself to be treated that way. And you know, you need expectations for them just as they have expectations for you. Mm. That would, that would, and you know, and I, and you guys talk about all this, but you just can't, you know, I mean, set some boundaries, set some good ones, right? You know, I'm available for you during these hours of the day and any other, you know, if you call me at six o'clock at night and I'm making dinner and sitting down to dinner with my family, I'm not going to pick up the phone. Yeah. You know, if you need, if you are running out of diapers, you could have told me at nine o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. and, you know, so just, you know, be loving be, uh, have, you know, have tons of love, tons of sympathy, tons of empathy, but, you know, keep some, keep some boundaries. Cause, um, if you run out of gas and you're no good for anyone, then how does that help? Right. I, Chris and I had the chance to, uh, have lunch with Brianna and she shared some of these same tips of how to establish these relationships and have these guidelines and, and boundaries. And I implemented those within a certain relationship and felt the benefit of that, that really, when we are willing to help model what healthy relationships look like, we recreate what is possible for them. And if, and like you said, we don't do them any service, 
by um, by tipping that scale and uh, you know losing our lives trying to figure out how to fix theirs really our greatest our greatest gift to them is to model what a healthy relationship looks and feels like mm-hmm. I agree um, I couldn't agree more um, you know finally one last quick question we'd like to ask uh, you know we're, we're hopeful that some of our listeners will be some of these mentees that are assigned to our mentors and mm-hmm. we'd like to hear what you believe is the most important message for these individuals that are trying to figure life out to 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 stand on their own two feet to mm-hmm. to feel fulfillment in life what what advice would you give them listen and take advice um it's you know listening is is several different things right it's the physical act of hearing what's being said right you got to be able to clearly hear what they're saying but you also have to um have your critical thinking skills on and so when you're spending time with your mentor um you know have have all your faculties have all your faculties on right because this is a special time this isn't you're not just shooting the breeze with a friend this is someone who has something to teach you and um you know humble yourself and and listen and ask questions um you know come to your mentee mentor meetings prepared right um you know don't just have it's anything you can do other than winging it is going to be, you know, that's a positive. Um, because you're, and I'm, and I'm not saying don't have fun, you know, I mean, it doesn't, not every time that you get together with somebody, it doesn't have to be this. It's not, it's, this isn't counseling, right? You know, this isn't sitting down and, and having a big, you know, intense powwow, but it's also not, it's not just, you know, sitting around playing video games with your friends and having yeah. just loose conversations. This is a, this is a friendship. This is, a, this is a relationship with a purpose. And yeah. so, you know, try to, to get it to fulfill its purpose. I love that. Brianna, you mentioned um, how many of the new life programmers end up interning and, and, and being employed at the, at mm-hmm. the shelters. And that was one of my favorite things about the program is that you put these women to work and allow them that opportunity to feel competent and to share themselves and their abilities mm-hmm. with others and to have that, that experience, that empowering experience that can, you know, convey them onto independent life. And we just appreciate Thank you. knowing you and knowing, um, what your what your organization does for so many people in our community and just want to thank you and all of those um staff that work with you for what you do well thank you you. and thank thank you for this time and as chris knows uh, you know she was volunteer for us for so long and and val you're doing this as a volunteer i mean this 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 world runs on volunteers and so my hat is off to you thank you for doing this out of the out of love and out of out of a passion that you have for this well we appreciate your role in this and we all come together and offer what we can to help help these people that that could use that that hand and that's why we're called hand in hand that's right <laughs> hands 
the name. Right. Exactly. Thank you so much. Brianna, yeah. thank you so much. We so appreciate it. We hope you have enjoyed our podcast today and have learned something that will benefit your life. Our organization is called Hand in Hand Family Mentorship, and our goal is to bring hope through friendship and mentoring. We match supportive and encouraging individuals with families that are in need of an added support system. These referrals come to us from the Department of Health and Welfare, Family Advocates, and Boise Rescue Mission Ministries. These are individuals who come from hard places, who are trying to keep their children out of foster care or regain custody. They're trying to get their lives back on track, trying to overcome trauma and lead productive lives. We believe that the power of a positive, healthy connection is the first step in healing. Please visit us at www.handinhandmentoring.org and be a part of the solution.